What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, uh, head of retirement research for Morningstar and an adjunct professor of wealth management for the American College. David, this morning I was just checking uh, Jim Cramer's website and he says this is just a terrific time to be investing in Winnebago, that, that since so many people are <laughs> buying RVs because of the, the COVID crisis, that is a safe place to put your money right now. David, what do you think about these experts, so-called experts on television and the value of the type of advice that we're getting from these types of financial prognosticators? I mean, is it really worth listening to? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, if it's me, I would put all my money in Winnebago stock and just, and just call it. No, it's a terrible idea. I mean, it's times like these with, you know, just when you have all this volatility, people want to hear stuff. And for better or worse, I think the media kind of exacerbates this effect where they're going to tell people, they're going to interview experts and they're going to get, they're going to look for guidance. And the Jim Cramers of the world, to some extent, can make things worse, right? Because to what extent do you want, if you're an advisor, your client calling you up and saying, hey, you know, Cramer said that we should own Winnebago. Let's get out of this diversified stock index into that. That's not the right time to do things. But I think this is the time when people are making those decisions because the markets are going crazy. Yeah, but that's a boring story. I mean, you should invest in a well-diversified portfolio no. of fairly priced assets. I mean, who wants to hear that? That CNBC show would last like 30 seconds and then it would be over. So there is an entertainment value. I mean, he needs to come up with stories for why certain stocks are probably you know, a good deal right now and how some stocks are, are not a good deal right now. But the efficient market people would say, you know, everything's priced fairly. But in fact, that's actually not true. What happens in many cases is that a stock like Winnebago will be boring for a long time. And then all of a sudden, people will think that there's some reason why it should be more valuable. And then it'll become a lot more volatile and it'll become a hot, a hot stock that is higher price. And people see, hey, Winnebago has gone up 50% over the last month. Is that, is that the right way to invest? Or is that actually the opposite of how, of how we should be investing? I think it's, it's the opposite. I mean, so in theory, like valuations matter a lot, I think for indexes, for broad-based things. But for individual companies, you know, it, it's so hard for even like professional money managers that know everything about a company to, to select stocks that outperform. The idea that, that someone who's, who's watching Kramer should go in and, and buy, buy a bunch of stocks, it just seems nuts. I mean, I think that, that you know, that things are, are changing that kind of are going to make people more interested in day trading, right? You know, you see a lot of platforms now that offer commission-free trades. You know, we've seen huge effects where people are going in and they're trading more and you know, the Robin Hoods of the world are kind of, you know, seeing a lot of growth in terms of new, new customers. And I just worry that it kind of sends the wrong message, right? Where people need good advice. But to your point, like, if you or I were to like have a media show about investing, it would probably be really boring, right? You should, you know, every day just stay the course. And people don't want to hear that because they want to feel like they should be doing something when oftentimes the best thing to do is nothing, right? Yeah, and I think if you're an advisor, you got to pay a lot of attention to this because in the old days of stockbrokers, 
a lot of clients thought that the value of seeing a financial advisor is they would tell them what to invest in. I hear this all the time. You know, is that advisor better at, at beating the market? And we all know that that's not really a thing. And if you position that as your value proposition, eventually people are going to figure out that you're underperforming the market or they're not going to figure out that you're underperforming the market, but it is, you're essentially like Jim Cramer. You're getting paid for a show and not necessarily for value. Yeah. I mean, so if we go back way before my time, you know, there wasn't this thing called the internet. There wasn't these TV shows dedicated to markets nonstop. And so I would argue, yeah, like you went to go see an advisor to know what to do. It's almost like today it's, it's you go to an advisor to, to know what not to do, right? Because all the things you see are, are sending the wrong signals and good investing is in some sense more difficult because it, it can be as simple as just buying a, a single fund or well-diversified portfolio. It doesn't require a lot of ongoing trading, but that's kind of against, I think, a lot of the impulses that people have as investors. And I think the media kind of feeds it. I mean, it's not if it bleeds, it leads, but right now people care about the markets. And so we're seeing more stories, more information about what people should or should not be doing. And a lot of it's garbage. A lot of it is not going to help investors achieve better long-term outcomes. But when we're looking at even sites that are meant for professional advisors, you'll see that probably half of the stories relate to something that's going on in the market right now that could guide your portfolio. But, you know, if you look at the track record of that type of guidance, is now a good time to be in this type of stock or that type of stock? It doesn't have a whole lot of value, but we kind of feel like it does. We feel like we should be following that information. If we're not, we're not as well informed, but the track record is really awful on the ability of even experts in the financial planning community to predict what we should be doing. I think part of it's like a, a la, it's like empowerment, you know, it's, it's that, you know, here I am, Mr. Advisor, I'm, I'm paying you to build this portfolio and you didn't see the, uh, this crash coming, right? So I, I need to take over and do this myself. And then I go online and there's lots of places telling me I can, you know, here's Jim Cramer saying, this is the best thing to buy. And who, do, who am I going to trust, right? You know, people to your point don't realize how terrible that a lot of these websites and, and, and information sources do because they tell a great story. And if you're the advisor that's been saying, hey, invest for the long term, I think that's a really hard message today, but hopefully you've created those expectations, right? I think that you know that, that you prepare clients for time like these. And if you're not, they're more susceptible to, to this messaging that, hey, you should be putting your entire 401k in Winnebago, not in this really boring diversified S&P fund. But I do think it's a challenge for an advisor when they have a client who watched Kramer and thinks Winnebago. I talked to someone else who thought Otis elevators were, were a fantastic investment because everybody's going to have to replace their elevator so that they have better quality air. Deliver financial planning for every person and every need through our chartered financial consultant education program. Find the tools and skills you need at theamericancollege.edu slash chfc. There's a million stories that you can come up with for what is and what is not a great investment. And then a client comes to you and says, I shouldn't be investing in elevators. And you should say, no, you know, that's, that's probably not going to help your portfolio performance in the long run. But then the elevator company goes up by 50% next month and you're an idiot. So how do you get beyond that? It's tough, right? I mean, because they're going to come to you with, with four ideas. And you're going to tell them, no, we shouldn't do that. And then if three of the four are do terrible, but one does well, they're going to come back the next time and say, hey, this one stock, we should have bought it. You don't know what you're talking about, right? So I think, I think it really is hard. I think that, again, like this is why you have things like an investment policy statement, why you know, you're constantly communicating to clients 
the value of being diversified. You don't want to remind them that, hey, last time you came here and three of the four stocks you, you suggested that you buy did terrible because I think that that kind of maybe sets the wrong tone, but it's important to, to let them know that, hey, that there isn't much evidence at all that suggests that that strategy actually will lead to more wealth in the long run. So it's being more of a behavioral coach and, and, and maybe acknowledging too that, hey, you have a, a really good portfolio, but its job isn't necessarily to kind of, you know, beat the market, it's to help you accomplish your goals. It's repositioning the job of the portfolio to one of kind of alpha to one of saying, hey, why does it exist in the first place? Hey guys, I'm the producer of this show. And what about the lottery? I want to take a little risk and throw something in because I might hit it big. Isn't that like what we all want? You know, Chris, I think that there is an element of stock investing that is like a lottery. It is exciting to buy a share of stock and see it go up in value and to be able to tell your friends about it. You know, there's, that's, that's part of the American dream is just getting lucky and beating the market and getting rich. But as we all know, that, that that's not a good strategy uh, when it comes to long-term investing, that you're probably going to underperform if you pick those lottery-type stocks. They consistently do worse than the market. So what do you do if you're a financial advisor and you have a client that gets satisfaction? Because you really this really is about making your client happy. They get satisfaction investing in these types of lottery stocks. So I was recently talking with Larry Swedro. He's an advisor for... Buckingham Wealth Strategies. And he said what he does is he has a core part of the portfolio, say 90 or 95% of the portfolio, that's there to capture market returns. It's there to capture beta. And then he's got a portion that's meant to capture alpha. But part of the alpha part of the portfolio is just allowing clients to invest in stuff that they get excited about. So if they're excited about investing in Winnebago why not let them invest you know, $5,000 in Winnebago if it's just a tiny part of their overall portfolio? And then if they do well, everybody's happy. They're happy, you're happy. If they do badly, it's not gonna hurt them too badly, but at least they get it out of their system. And I think that's a good strategy for allowing clients some latitude to do what they want, to have some input into their own portfolio. They can take a more active approach, but in a way that's not going to do them too much harm. I would agree. I think lottery tickets, a lot of economists would say that's a terrible investment, but you know, it, make, it makes people happy, right? I mean, you know, yes, the NPV is very negative, but if it lets you dream for a weekend, it's actually not that of expensive way to maybe give you some warm fuzzies. And so, I mean, if, you know, I think that there is a benefit of kind of this of skewness, right? People want to have buy that stock that goes up 10x. And so if you're going to do it, you know, you can let someone do it, just do it in a measured way. I, I don't want someone to invest their entire portfolio. I think it's fine to let them do five or 10% as long as it's measured and they understand that this is really more like gambling, but gambling in a way that's not going to, you know, impact someone's entire wealth and lets them get out of their system again versus, you know, investing their entire IRA or 401k in Winnebago stock when it could go down to zero. But I do think that it is part of the advisor's job to kind of coach people away from that if they can. Get best-in-class preparation for your exam with our CFP Certification Education Program. Start your journey toward this valued designation at theamericancollege.edu slash CFP.
whenever I get a cell phone, the first thing I do is delete the stock app because I just don't want to know. Like, I don't want my phone telling me every day whether the stock market is up or down. And I think getting people into a habit of not following the market as closely, paying attention to other aspects, how are they progressing towards their long-term financial goals? That's part of what you're trying to get people to reframe their attitudes about investing. I would say that it's okay to give them some latitude to do what they want, but use it as a way of coaching them towards focusing on the long term and not spending so much time thinking about the short term because it's probably not going to be in their their best interest. I think you're a bit of a dreamer sometimes. I think that I think that it's true. It's true that people shouldn't do it, but I think that the advisor should be able to identify who needs to do that. And, and if someone wants to do that, wants to trade part of their portfolio, I don't think you can always shut it down. I think that it's, it's acknowledging that every client is different, but create a strategy that works for them as both kind of like financially and behaviorally efficient. And, and, and that may require opening up an IRA somewhere that, you know, allows day trading that, that it gets out of their system, but it's not jeopardizing their entire financial success. I have a producer question. My brother has a pretty good strategy. He picks a stock, he makes $500 on it, and then he bails. Don't be greedy. What is so wonderful about the availability of data on these online trading accounts is that we can now see that people like your brother consistently underperform the market. Right. Uh, you know, what men do is they invest in stocks and when a stock goes up in value they sell it and then when a stock goes down in value they don't want to sell it because that's locking in a loss and having to admit that they're not a great stock picker but what we've been able to do now is we've been able to actually look under the kimono and see how people actually perform in their investments and that's probably one of the biggest sources of underperformance among individual stock traders is that they consistently sell their winners and they keep their losers and they do it because it hurts to sell a loser. And you can tell stories if you're a winner. You can say, I, you know, I bought this stock and then I sold it at a higher price. Aren't I a smart dude? And the one thing he's not doing is telling you about all those stocks that he bought that didn't go up in value because he hasn't sold those yet because he hasn't, he's too afraid to lock in a loss because it makes him feel like less of a man. It's funny, Chris, when you're telling me that strategy, I was like Michael, I'm like, that's actually the exact opposite way you should invest. What he should do is when it goes down by $500, he should sell it and then hold on to those winners as long as they go. Because all he's doing is he's taking all the losses and only getting really small gains. So not what I would suggest as an investment strategy. Well, I couldn't agree more, David. <laughs> and, and you may think that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. And I hope you'll join us next time when the world can live as one. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.